And if if you're not if you're working so hard you can't live, then what's the point? You're putting a down payment on future happiness. That has its place. And if you know what you're going for and there's a plan and there's a number of years that you have to do this, and then you don't have to, and you could take your foot off the gas for a little bit, that's acceptable. But if you don't have an out, then why are you there? What are you do what are you doing it for? This is the Millennials Almanac, a show where we help millennials cultivate their future. My name is Scott, and my goal is to help you go from dreading tomorrow to wondering what it may bring. Join me as we search for the secrets that enable millennials to achieve success and happiness. Today we will be interviewing a good friend of mine. Matt and I worked retail together at Apple. We were salespeople. Matt and I have been friends for quite a long time, and he's also been someone that was highly encouraging of doing this podcast. I really enjoy Matt's interview because it's it's something that everyone should be able to relate to. You don't have to quit your job or completely alter your life in order to generate side income or create a business that enables you to take that extra vacation, do that thing with your kids, buy that toy that you want, a motorcycle or car or something. It's not a requirement that we completely upend our current routines. In this interview, Matt shows how he was able to turn one of his hobbies into a successful side business, kind of born out of necessity, but also random chance. A lot of times we struggle with finding what to use to kind of escape the nine to five wage grind. Honestly, I struggled with this heavily as well. Matt's story is highly entertaining as well as filled with subtle suggestions that can help you overcome that voice in your head that says, don't do this, don't try, you may fail. What about your kids? What about your obligations? I really hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. It was awesome talking with an old friend. Matt and I, we quabble on Facebook a lot. A lot of that was edited out of this interview as it's not super relevant, but it's good to note that Matt and I, we don't always see eye to eye on everything. In fact, we usually disagree on most things, but we're still able to be good friends. We're still able to share our experiences in an educational way and not forget the message of what we're saying. Stick around to the end. Matt's going to drop his links. He's going to tell you where to find his products. And he also, in this interview, goes over how to use a few platforms to start that side business if you are into making physical products. Definitely go to Matt's Facebook page. Go find him on Etsy. Check out his website and make sure to give him some love. We are talking with Matt today, version 2.0, back and better than ever. <laughs> Matt runs Pothecary. He also does audiovisual stuff in his nine to five life. And he's also an awesome dad, like constantly doing stuff with his kids. And I'm, I'm super envious of that. But anyway, Matt, thank you for coming on. 
Thanks for having me. I'm trying to remember like most of the stuff that we discussed uh, in our previous recording. And we were kind of obviously discussing what your business does. And, and I want you to explain that to everyone. And we really sort of got into the help that you got from your family along the way. And that would be super cool to go over again, too. Um, but why don't you tell us what Pothecary does? Pothecary is I'm making aquarium tank rim emergent plant holders. So what that means is you have a plant that likes their leaves out of the water, but is just fine with their root system just dipped in the water just hanging out in a fish tank, happy. And the great benefit of that is is the plants suck up nitrate out of the water and the fish make uh, ammonia with their pee and the ammonia turns to nitrite and then the nitrite turns to nitrate through uh, biological processes. But then the nitrate is really hard to get rid of. So that's where extra plants in your tank come in. And you can put as many plants in your tank as you want. Some fish eat the plants. So having emergent plants with just the roots inside the tank and the leaves outside is very uh, uh, good for some people. So one day during the pandemic, I bought my own pothos plant because I saw on the internet we can put use pothos, which is this house plant with these broad leaves, very pretty plant, uh, and you can slurp up some more nitrate. And slurping up more nitrate means to me less water changes, fewer water changes. So I got my pothos and then I said, crap, how do I mount this to my fish tank? Wait a tick, I have this 3D printer that I've, I've had for a little while and I brought it home so I can start making uh, face masks for uh, the pandemic cause. And I was like, well, I could take some time out. I, I designed my first iteration for me and I tried it out and it worked great first try. So I was like, oh dude, I gotta share this online and I gotta get some likes, right? So I took a picture and I was like, look at this cool thing I'm, I got. It's It holds your pothos on the side of the fish tank. Isn't that awesome? And I had about a hundred people saying, I want this. Where is it for sale? Shut up and take my money. Uh, the other hundred are like, that's an awesome idea. I've been looking for it for years. So basically they were saying the same thing. And I was like, well, how about, you know, 10 bucks or something. And so that was the first Pothecary. That's my original. And I have different iterations since then. So I have a version with a removable faceplate so that you can take out the pothos plants without damaging the root structure. As, as you leave the pothos in the fish tank, the roots grow and they get really big. And if you want to pull it out on the original, you might need to cut some. But on the plus model, you just slide off the faceplate, take out your plants, replant them somewhere, put in new ones. Pretty great. You know, you and I used to work for Apple. I think I'm allowed to say that, but you, you and I used to work yeah. for Apple and it's it's cool to see uh, you kind of incorporate some of their uh, phraseology into your products too. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, the plus. Yeah, That's it's cool. it's called a plus because the, uh, the sh little shoots that hold the pothos roots are larger than the original. Oh, That's where the plus nice, uh, came in. I love it. I love it. Yeah. The idea is is so simple and kind of like born out of necessity and, and it sent you down the rabbit hole. I don't think you were necessarily a business owner beforehand, right? No. I mean, I, I, I had a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit, but that really only means like in middle school, I used to sell bubble gum on the school bus. But I never really wanted the stress of being in business all on my own. And oh my God, what if it tanks? So that's tough. And that's why I still have my day job and I have uh, my apothecary business. And the great thing about this particular business with 3D printing is half of the battle is handled by the printers. So I, I set it in the morning, I go to work, I come back home, I pack up the orders for the day, I start new prints, I go to back upstairs and, you know, put my kids to bed. So it's pretty easy. 
Now you just got to get your kids to do all the packing. Yes. <laughs> I, I hear that's the way to go. If I want to, I'll incorporate, I'll get my LLC. People who are looking into that, you can actually employ your children and pay them up to $12,000 a year, I think. Really? Tax-free. Tax-free. It's completely, uh, you know, it's a, it's a total write-off. Uh, they have to do real work. Wink. Interesting. Yeah. But <laughs> really? Like, yeah, yeah. So you can have them pack, uh, create the boxes. You know, I, I buy the boxes flat and you just make these boxes together and I'll pay you, you know, $10 an hour. Maybe your kid's really expensive and <laughs> you get wow. them 50 an hour. I haven't done this. If anyone out there wants to um, rent their kids to me, <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can pay someone else's kid and still get the write-off, but it, it might be worth looking into. <laughs> I'll just need their, their social security number. Yeah. And, you know. I think if it's someone else's kid, it's like a child sweatshop. <laughs> but that's really interesting. It'd be something cool to for them to kind of learn entrepreneurialism too. Absolutely. It's a great learning experience for kids. I haven't done it yet, as I said before, but it, uh, it's indeed possible I might need to do it next year. Mm. Um, my daughter's going to be turning 11. Uh, so she, she'll have an, a decent amount of autonomy and this could mean that maybe she'd want to do something like that for a little bit extra scratch. It'd definitely be a cool like summer gig too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was sort of being facetious, but that's cool to, to know that you can kind of get your kids involved in that way. Um, and there's some support there for it. Finding the tax tricks for small business owners is like the most important thing you can do. Yes. The big businesses are doing it. So absolutely. You absolutely should take advantage of it. Yeah. Finding that accountant that knows all the stuff can be tricky, but they, they are out there. Yeah. And I, I'll probably need to start doing that myself. Get that, get that accountant up and running. Let's say you, uh, like you make money on the business and you've and you have a day job but you probably have hobbies or things that you kind of do apart from these things right uh yeah well actually the 3d printing part was the hobby beforehand you know i was making goofy spaceships and stuff that you find models for online and you know something breaks in the house and you're like you know what i think i can design something that'll replace that pretty easily and then uh aquarium keeping was the other hobby and then th there's your convergence right there having it be the hobby first or the you know the fun hobby first before the side hustle makes it a lot easier to bear having the the extra workload you kind of hit the nail on the head with people who are you know potentially looking to uh supplement their income or do some passive income and they're like well what should i do what what can i do i'm pretty sure just like in your situation you made the thing or you think it's interesting and then a bunch of other people also are going to think it's awesome so look into your own hobbies and what you're doing for fun and you could probably monetize it to some extent. Even you can take a picture of something you made and put it on Etsy. Etsy stores are free to have, really. It costs like 20 cents to make a listing. And if somebody buys it, somebody buys it. Etsy will advertise it for you. So what's the problem? Just put up a little store if you really wanted to get started with something like that. And then there's like a ton of other options for doing a individual retail, if you will, like Shopify and Sure. Yeah. You, you can get your own company store, Google ads, eBay, I guess. eBay. Yeah. There's a lot of individual sellers on eBay. eBay takes a quite a bit of a cut out. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you can, of course, be on Amazon too. talk about your cut. They, they take 15%, I think. You don't, don't come after us, Amazon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My bad. I'm just playing. <laughs> I was just webcasting a, an event uh, sponsored by Blue Origin. They're very nice people. But we did actually, uh, we, we got to webcast Gwen Shotwell. She she came into the Zoom 
one one event so that was fun too i love that you get to meet all these like celebrities and stuff or at least yeah. like be kind of behind the curtains a little bit yeah i'm definitely behind the curtains nowadays and even when we were in person but i i would i would get some uh what do they call it fanboy itis every now and then <laughs> and, uh, bill nye was at one of our events oh wow uh lavar burton was at one cool so, man I got. I stole his name tag. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I was trying to get him to to sign it, but they cut off the the greet line. So sad. Oh. But I got my picture with him, which is nice. Awesome, dude. Yeah, he's a real cool guy. Did you ever have familial inspiration to do anything entrepreneurial? Were you kind of the first in your family to do this? Oh no, my father is a lifelong entrepreneur. You know, he worked his way all through college painting houses and uh he and my mother baked cakes for college kids from the parents far away you know he worked really hard he's still working hard fun story uh my dad actually uh, built the first commercial internet service provider so he he's an entrepreneur <laughs> he won the dc area entrepreneur of the year award one year i couldn't be more proud of my dad he he changed the world did your dad ever encourage you to be entrepreneurial? Oh, yeah, constantly. The aforementioned bubblegum on the bus routine, I got half in trouble for it because they didn't quite know who it was, but they, they instituted a rule, no selling things on the bus. And I was like, oh, come on. And my dad just, you know, winked at me like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were competing with the school cafeteria <laughs> and they had to shut you down. The man got the you. The government came in. Don't let the man get you down. Yeah, there there is loads of encouragement, and I mean, even my day job, I I got in no small part because of him, because the 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 webcast company, the the president used to webcast the uh, earnings calls for my dad's company. So they were sitting on the porch one day catching up, and and that's how I met him. I learned about his company, and then one day I was sick of retail, right? And I said, hey, dad, can you introduce me again to that dude? Because I like cameras and and recording videos and editing. I've, I have a lot of editing experience. I bet I can bring value to this company and not have to deal with customers a thousand times a day. And he's like, sure. Yeah. And I, uh, I get a call after the email and the guy's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I get a call about a month later. Hey, can you do a, a shoot on Sunday, Sunday evening, because I guess his normal crew isn't there. Is it Sunday? I say, sure, yeah, no problem. I go there, and the webcast is Buzz Aldrin sitting in the room talking about how uh, NASA should be going to Mars instead of the moon. And I'm like, Buzz Aldrin, holy shit. <laughs> so I got to shake his hand. Uh, that was the first time. I met him like three times since then. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't want to make him mad because he seems He'll like a guy who he will punch me in the face. He really yeah, will. I see so believe that video. I saw that video. That guy was obviously looking to get punched in the face. Yeah. But, uh, you know, believe him. He, he can still pack a punch. So random chance not only led you to kind of finding your career, but also meeting Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a lot to thank for my privilege, my place in the world that had nothing to do with me. Right. Um, and I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for these opportunities that were literally handed to me. I was able to get in the door because of them. I stayed in the door because of me. And that's something I'm proud of myself. Well, and it's important to encourage people to take those uh, risks that come your way or, you know, that 
that opportunity to kind of change the patterns you're in. Sure, that that was randomly put into your life, but you could have just kept on working at Apple with me or, you know. Yeah, recognizing an opportunity. There you go. It can be very difficult to discern and you don't want to just go yes to everything. Do you, do you have like a barometer or a litmus test, would you say, of how to gauge what could be a good opportunity and not a good opportunity? Usually when someone who you don't know, who you've been talking to for about five minutes says... I have an exciting opportunity I want to talk to you about. It's probably bullshit. So stay away. But I mean, you don't have to stay away immediately. Just listen with a cynic's eye and be your own devil's advocate. I don't know, we were dancing on this subject, but leveraging your personal relationships to gain things that you want is great is very useful, but you know, have something to give back to these people. When I wanted a job, it was because I think I could do the job, not because it's an easy payday. What has been the biggest mental obstacle you've had to overcome? Well, myself. Myself saying that I'm not good enough. I am constantly dealing with imposter syndrome. Looking for a new job is really tough. Back when I was dating, that was impossible. I'm so happy that I'm married now, which is still impossible. Why does she love me? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like imposter syndrome is, is something that a lot of people deal with. It's really hard. And I think our generation especially is feeling it. We expected to grow up. We saw our parents who were parents. They were adults. They were grownups. They had their jobs. They had their careers. They wore their ties to work. And I don't wear a tie to work. Yeah. I honestly think it's because we saw our grandparents, man. Oh, yeah. Sure. That our grandparents too. were like, you know. They had their careers. They were also like serious people. Yes. So serious. I don't want to be serious. That's kind of what we're talking about is like we have to, we, we come from a product of not wanting to be as serious as our grandparents, but also needing to do that to some extent. Like no one's going to come along and go, hey, here is a total change in your life and financial freedom and it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. And a lot of people do have the financial freedom and they do have the, the jobs that their parents had. And millennials are like 30% of the workforce and have owned 5% of the wealth in the economy. It's, it's not through lack of trying. You know, we were the, the highest educated ever. Uh, we're also in the most college education debt ever. Yeah. So we got that hanging on us and we have these responsibilities that we've been slung with. While everything you're saying is true, it's still important to take a little bit of responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I had to choose myself to look for work outside of the retail world because I had to get off my uh, imposter syndrome butt and say, you know what? I am smart, damn it. Yes. I can learn any job. I can figure it out. I don't need to have a degree because half the people who are working don't work in their degree field. So it doesn't matter what my degree was in, which was crap, by the way, it was music, <laughs> major in music. <laughs> but I have a degree. It's somewhere in a closet. The, the degree just shows that you're willing to pay money, invest in your future, and invest in, in education. Do you think there's any, any red flags? Like, do you think there's a, like an abort button that you should look for? Like in the same way you uh, look for clear signs that indicate you should probably uh, jump out. This is in a, a normal uh, career path job. Sure. What, you know, whatever you're like, let's say retail, people that are just 
going to work every day and they're like, yeah, one day uh, it's just I'm just going to be a millionaire or something. Uh, the red flags with things like retail or any of these jobs that are supposed to be stepping stones to a, a brighter career is are the people around you stepping up? How much are they making you work? Uh, are there cost of living adjustments every year? You should be getting a small raise every year. Uh, if that's not happening, then your company is not respecting you and you should try to step up elsewhere probably. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people mixed with imposter syndrome is sort of loyalty to, I don't even know how to put it. I'm just thinking back to our times at Apple where, you know, if you're if you're kind of like just working your butt off and not getting anything out of it, it, it may be time to figure out something else. And if if you're not if you're working so hard you can't live, then what's the point? You're putting a down payment on future happiness that has its place. And if you know what you're going for and there's a plan and there's a number of years that you have to do this. And then you don't have to, and you could take your foot off the gas for a little bit. That's acceptable. But if you don't have an out, then why are you there? What are you, do what are you doing it for? So I want to let you get back to your family. Last time I took, I kept you way too long and they are lovely and, and <laughs> didn't come after me or anything. Before I uh, let you go here, can you drop links to your, where people can find you, anything you want them to know and words of wisdom for the uh, listeners here? Sure. Uh, well, you can find my apothecary business at pothocary.com. P-O-T-H-O-C-A-R-R-Y. Pothocary.com. Uh, I'm also on Etsy. That's where most of my stuff is. My, my little advice is to remember why you're doing this. Remember that now is important, is just as important as later. Now and then haven't happened yet. So if you're building for then, you got to focus on some now. And if you're too busy talking about now, you got to focus on then. So figure out your balance. It's very important. I'm a now guy, and that's why I, I'm, I'm catching up right now. So if you're younger than I am, focus on some then, uh, once a week, twice a week. Pick a time. What do I want to be in 10 years? You got to plan for it. And the best way to do it is now. you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, subscribe, and find us on Facebook at The Millennials Almanac and let us know what you think. So since you've hung around to the end, I'd like to share an update with our true listeners. This show, in part, got its beginning because of a challenge. In the beginning of 2021, a friend and I started a weekly financial call aimed at helping our friends adjust to the new normal caused by COVID-19. Some were service workers, others had their office work shifted to at-home work or ended completely. Like myself, some were business owners and self-employed contractors who had seen their sources of income collapse. Out of this group, this podcast was born. But what was the challenge? In one of these calls, I mused that I was contemplating writing a book and wanted to do so by the end of the month. My co-host for these calls told me that I would not be able to write a book in two weeks. Well, challenge accepted. Over the subsequent two weeks, with the help from a lot of coffee, I was able to to finish The Millennial's Almanac. This book was written to act as a sort of step-by-step -step guide to go from feeling like you have no control over your life to acting intentionally and planning ahead. 
As I wrote this book, the concept for the show began to become more laser-focused than ever. I'm excited to let you guys know that we will be using the sections that were written for this book as a content guide for Season 1. Each week, either myself or in a conversation with my co-host Kat, we will be discussing the steps you need to take to regain control of your finances and free time. In the upcoming months, we will also be releasing this book in ebook and audio format. Keep an eye and ear out for updates on this release, and I hope that you all stick around as Kat and I explore the lessons learned from my mistakes and the wisdom given by wise mentors along the way.